we're back. Welcome to the Business Legends Podcast, where we interview business leaders and entrepreneurs so that you can learn from their mistakes, pump up your own inspiration, and grow your bottom line. I'm the host of the show, Reese Arlen, with my co-host, CEO of Business Marketing Solutions Group, Christian Webb. Say what's up. Recording live from Nashville. Recording live from Nashville. Speaking of Nashville, our guest today is awesome. Matt Conroy is a country songwriter, recording artist, and owner of the independent record label, Firepoint Entertainment. During a brief career as a paratrooper in the U.S. Army, he spent three years in Alaska, served a tour in Afghanistan, and and received a Bronze Star for his work with the Afghan National Army. Matt is also an actor, a voiceover artist, and currently commands an Army Reserve Public Affairs Detachment in Nashville, Tennessee, where he co-writes songs with Nashville writers and networks with industry professionals. Matt, good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, hi Reese. Are, are we actually in Nashville right now? I don't really know where I am anymore. You know, we're, we're, what day is it? Like, what day is all, it? Like, where are we? Anymore? What year? Like, <laughs> dude, this, this whole COVID craziness. I'm glad you were able to make it today, man. Um, it's, it's insane. Of course, man. Our most favorite coffee place in the world that was that is eventually going to sponsor us, whether they know it or not, Central Coffee, <laughs> <laughs> was not open this morning. So we're all kind of on the struggle bus, it seems. But yeah, man, um, we're in a Nashville state of mind over here, it right seems on. like. Yeah. But you know, given how bad the weather is, maybe it's a little bit more like a Northwest Pacific state of mind. Portland right state now. of mind? You know, it... <laughs> It is what it is. So, country so uh, let, let's jump into it, man. Um, so country music, how does how do you go from the Army to country music? What, what happened with all well, that? Well, so the, the bug kind of bit me while I was in college. I, I was... Um, I was doing a lot of writing towards the end of my uh, my collegiate years at Niagara University. I grew up in Western New York. I went to school in Niagara Falls, and um, but that was cool. It was, you know, yeah, especially in the winter, it was extra cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, um, I started writing, you know, pretty seriously, 2013, 2014. I didn't pick up a guitar until 2000, until 2012, when I was about oh, wow. 22. So I, I mean, I got, I got a pretty, um, I got a pretty late start to the music game. Yeah. Um, and then I, I won this uh, biannual talent contest that my school had with an original song that I wrote my spring semester, my senior year. That's awesome. And that's kind of where the the bug kind of bit me. And I was like, well, you know, it's like okay, this song was good enough to actually, you know, win me $500 and, you know, whatever. And to this day, it's, it's still been the, the, the most profitable song I've, (laughs) I've I've written just with the streaming age and everything like that. It's still the most profitable song. More than $500 though, but still. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And, um, and, uh, so that's where the bug really bit me, but then it was like, okay, well that was fun because now I have to go into the army. And so I went to, um, I started out in Oklahoma, lived in Georgia for a while. Um, and then I moved up to Alaska and it was, it was really cool because traveling around the country and I, I, you know, in that time I spent about 25 days um, driving an old truck across the country and then coming back and oh, wow. I did like a 5,000 mile road trip before I actually went into cool. active duty and everything. And that literally sounds like a country song. Yeah. Well, man, that was, that was really where it started. Yeah. It was like, like I, I met so many cool Your people. Life. I saw so many <laughs> cool things like, like, and, and um, it just kind of, it, it started to get that, that energy really kind of going in me. And then, you know, again, it's like the army started up and it's like, okay, put that on the back burner. It's time to focus. Um, and then as time went on living in Alaska, um, doing that deployment to Afghanistan, um, you know, I started using that creative outlet as, you know, something to lean on a little bit more and more and more. And, um, it got to a point where when it came to the army, I kind of checked all the blocks I wanted to do very early on with the army. Like I wanted to live somewhere cool, Alaska, I wanted to deploy. I went to Afghanistan. I wanted to be in an airborne unit. I wanted to get paid to jump out of airplanes. 
so did that. And I kind of did it all in my first duty station. I was like, I don't really want to do anything else. Like the, the next logical step for me is like, because I was an officer, my next logical step was to go to the officer's career course. And then I was going to start on this like long political path of like, you know, higher level officer managerial jobs. And I was like, it just sounds awful. Like, I just, I don't want to do that. And I, I was, I worked with majors and lieutenant colonels a lot because of what my job was when I was in the army. And I watched these guys, a lot of these guys are just like, man, I should have gotten out after my first four years. I should have gotten out after my second four years. Like I should have gotten out a long time ago because this is just not the way I pictured my career turning out. And it kind of got to a point where I was like, if I don't do this now, because we came when we came back from Afghanistan in 2018, it was a natural, um, a, a natural transition point for me. I had a ton of money saved up from my deployment. Um, I had this dream. I had written my first album while I was deployed in Afghanistan, and I was like, if I don't awesome. do this, if I don't do this now, I never will. Right. Right. And so I just kind of I took that leap. Um, my, uh, my now fiance, she was my girlfriend at the time. She was at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And, um, we just started, she wanted to get out too. And so we were just talking about, well, how do we make this happen? Um, we had discussed going to Nashville right out, right off the bat. But one of the big things that I've learned is, you know, don't, don't bite off more than you can chew. And I realized that if I moved to Nashville, where I was at, at that time, I, I, I probably would have quit like very quickly because sure. the talent pool in Nashville is just so I mean it's it's incredible the writers the players the industry professionals I mean it's just it's nuts yeah I mean that's and, like the, the nexus for country music pretty much yes absolutely and and so I kind of was in the mindset of like okay well I kind of want to live somewhere that has a music community that I can kind of continue to develop my craft get my chops up you know, and potentially develop a small network of people that I can ultimately take with me to Nashville at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the plan was to be in Charlotte for about, you know, a year and a half, two years while I did that. And we've been here about a year and a half now. And we recently made Time it. to move, man. No, well, yeah, right, right. So, <laughs> so I'm actually heading to Nashville later today. There's a yeah. moving truck oh, out back. We, we and right. we're going to get out of here. Yeah, you guys yeah. caught me at a good time. No, um, we, we bought a house in um, Huntersville oh, okay. about um, in, in October. And yeah, like we really have fallen in love with the area. We really, really like the area. A lot of good people here. And because of my Army Reserve situation, I command a public affairs unit in Nashville. So the government pays me to go to Nashville once a month anyways so when i go to town i just crash at a a co-writer buddy um i I crash at his place and i stay there for like a week and we play out and we co-write we network and we pitch songs and we do all of that stuff so like that 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 intent is still being met like not to the extent that it would be if i was there 365 days out of the year but one week out of the month on the government's dime is still a pretty good deal i mean i know a lot of songwriters and musicians in in this town in charlotte that that they hear that and they're like wow like yeah. Man, I would love to go to Nashville once a month. It's just, it, it's expensive. And, um, you know, on top of that, I have like, I have health insurance and all that other stuff. So it's like, it's a yeah. good situation. There's no real reason for us to move. And we like Charlotte a lot. Dollar goes a lot further here yeah. than it does in Nashville. So why not? Let's just keep making it work. Sounds like everything's in the up and up for you living in Charlotte. You know, that everything just kind of falls into place, so to speak. Um, one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about on, on this podcast particularly is creativity. So mm-hmm. obviously Christian and I are, are in the marketing field. Mm. And uh, one, of, one of the things that 
I won't say we struggle with, but I would say one of the challenges of marketing is creativity. Yeah. I know you endure the same types of challenges in the music industry because you're writing songs and have to um, not only develop the music, but also the uh, motifs behind mm -hmm. the music because mm -hmm. nobody wants to listen to a meaningless song. Sure, type of course. Of thing. Yeah. Um, what, what types of things do you do in order to harness and focus that, that energy, that creativity? So the two biggest things that I always focus on is number one, always have your ears up and open and have your eyes open and constantly be looking, especially for songwriters, because, and especially especially for country songwriters, mm -hmm. because country music is all about real life, real stories, you know, and, and that kind of that beautiful simplicity that exists within um, the human experience. And those stories are everywhere. I, they are everywhere. So always have your ears up and your eyes open. Listen to what people say. I mean, I've come up with ideas and hooks for songs you know, j just from like little like off the cuff remarks that people have made to me, especially old people. Old people have like the best, oh, yeah. the best little quips. For sure. um, and, and, you know, and so I, I keep a, a running list in my phone of all of my little, my little hooks, my little ideas and stuff like that, that I want to flush out in time. Um, so that's a huge piece is to keep your eyes open constantly for, for that sort of stuff. And the second thing to remember for creativity's sake is, um, the the enemy of creativity is distraction and we live in a world where we are constantly bombarded by information constantly bombarded with emails and text messages and notifications and all of this stuff and if you can find the time during your day to literally enter a creative space where you are distraction free um that is the absolute best thing you can do for your creativity, bar none. Um, Ryan Holiday talks a lot about this in his book. I don't know if you guys are mm -mm. familiar with Ryan Holiday. Mm -mm. He, he wrote a book called The Daily Stoic. Um, he wrote a book called uh, something about silence. Something I can't. I can't remember. I've, I've read The Daily Stoic. It's fantastic. But he wrote another one that I that I'm going to read at some point. But he talks a lot about that. Where you know we have this idea in our head that like, if we are not constantly available, then an opportunity is going to miss us or yeah. someone's going to be mad at us. And the reality is that very, very rarely is there anything that can't wait an hour or two. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but like, like uh, unless it's like, you know, somebody in an accident or mm -hmm. somebody's dying, which, which, you know, it's just kind of unlikely. Yeah. Um, there's very, very little, uh, there's very, very little that, that we can't kind of turn off for an hour or two mm -hmm. from. And so that's a big thing to, to realize. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I used to I used to sit at the water bean and have my headphones in, and I would get so much done on the, like, innovation and direction yeah. side of the company. And ever since we've gotten, like, over the last year and a half, probably we've got started to get really busy. Mm -hmm. Like, I've just noticed, like, I barely ever get time to go on the innovation of the direction side of the company. It's always like, do, 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 do. Today. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's like it, a barrier. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of a shame, really, that, you know, the, it's like the busier you get. Um, I also think a lot about education as far as creativity is concerned, because by, by and large, what I've noticed is that a lot of times when you're, when you're, I'll, I'll say overly educated or formally educated type of thing, um, it kind of stifles your creativity mm. because, and maybe it's just the judgment of getting grades or something like that, or, or, um, you know, having that, that subjective judgment to your, you know, papers and to your essays yeah. and stuff like that. But, you know, you're, you're taught no instead of yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a really great point. And, and you have to think about it. 
where you come from is also really important. The way you were brought up, like what organizations you were affiliated with as a kid. Like one of the biggest barriers for me was coming out of this, was coming out of a military lifestyle where, where you are told where to stand, what to wear, when to be there, you know, like where you stand in the pecking order, the hierarchy, everything like that. And I made this huge leap to, okay, I have to make my, my, my own schedule every day. I have yeah. to write my own songs every day. I have to produce all of this stuff. And, you know, expecting that music and art is going to be this kind of procedural step one, step two, step three thing, that's not the way it works. Right. So that was a big thing to kind of adapt to as well. So, yeah, so your background and, and, and the way our school system is, is designed is, is also a, a huge um, a huge thing to try and overcome if you really want to harness your your true creative potential. It, it is an interesting thing. Um, so as far as your your home, um, you know, creative environment, I guess you call it. We we had a guest, Mitch Ferguson, uh, stitched by Mitch. He's really funny, really great guest. Uh, he calls himself the Chunky Boy Taylor. He's a really, <laughs> really funny dude. Anyway, um, he does uh, fashion design. Okay. And so as you can imagine, uh, he primarily works with like athletes yeah. and stuff, and um, you know their their game day outfits and stuff like that. But uh, he talks about his home design, how he actually has two computers and two desks. And so one computer, he has like nothing on it, right? So he has, it's just a blank desk with a seat and just a computer, nothing, no distractions whatsoever. It's in a room, a blank room, nothing. And then another computer that he has is like just filled with all sorts of gadgets and gizmos. It's a standing desk. And he says one of these is his desk that he does like the sitting, the sitting one, the boring one, is where he does all of his boring paperwork stuff. And then the other one is where he does like all of his creative directions. So whenever he's designing an outfit or wardrobe or something like that, he'll stand and play around with his little fidget spinners and whatever else he has going on. Um, do you have anything like that? Any, I, any I'm sitting here with this big stupid grin on my face yeah. because I finally don't feel as weird now oh, because good, I, I 100, <laughs> I, I, I have two desks. I don't have two, I don't have two computers, but I have two desks. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I can't echo that enough like it's so important to have a separate creative space from your workspace mm-hmm. um this it, our brains are like a really associative device right it's like a two million year old device that's incredibly associative and um it associates where you sit to what you are doing and it maximizes its individual efficiency towards the end of of where you are currently sitting, right? And so, um, yeah, in my, I, we have a room in my house where against one wall is a folding black Rubbermaid table with a nice tablecloth over it because I don't have two, two actual desks, but right, right, we'll stick yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yet, yet. Yet, yeah, yeah, yet, yet. That's the next big purchase. Um, right. But that's, that's um, and that's got my, uh, um, that's got my, that's primarily got my laptop on and my keyboard, you know, like a notepad for, um, you know, actual business stuff. That's where I do all my emails and all of my bookkeeping and finances and like all of that stuff gets done there. And then on the adjacent wall, a boring table, it's my boring table. That's right. And then on the, uh, on the adjacent wall is this beautiful antique Ethan Allen roll top desk with a little like Zen fountain and a, a, a red light bulb lamp and all of like my songwriting like books are up there, opposite. dude. <laughs> like it's it's night and day, and um, and that's also why I only have one really nice desk yeah. is because I can't afford two Ethan Allen. Right, desks. two of those. Right, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Yet again, but uh, but yeah, and um, the uh, 
the Ethan Allen desk. It's where I do all of my creating and my and my writing and stuff like that. And uh, um, you know, I've got what I call my my artist prayer framed above it. And so, like when you know a song is really kind of fighting me or something like that, you just kind of look up at it, you say it a few times, and then you just kind of go back at it. And um, you know, I've got blackout curtains over the window as well. Like I go, I go into a total bunker, man. Like yeah. 8 a.m. I've got like, I got like my granola bars and my coffee and nice. like, I am going into the office and I'm closing the blinds and the red light bulb comes on and like, it's, it's game over for about three or four hours pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're like, you're like Roxanne put on the red light. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Funny. Oh yeah. <laughs> a, tr- a true, a true artist, a true artist. So it, it's really interesting that you have, you know, you have these different environments. I think your personality also kind of has something to do with the way you organize your environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you definitively, Christian and I work nearly opposite of each other, you know, and Christian likes to be in environments that there's a lot of people, a lot of noise yeah. in, in there. And that's where some of his most brilliant ideas come from. But not talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> just in the area. Yeah. Right. No, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, not people distracting him. And stuff. Like Waterbeat. Like, like, I really like working at Waterbeat. Yeah. And there's all kinds of noises. You know, yeah. where there's noise and, like, ambient yeah. noise, we'll call it. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, whereas inversely, I'm, I'm a person where if it comes time to, like, getting business done, I like to be alone and not bothered and in, in silence. Yeah. And music actually even distracts me from that because I'm very musically inclined. So huh. my, my brain might start to follow the... And whatever assignment he's working on was probably due in 30 minutes anyway, so... That's yeah. true. I'm the, I'm the world's most efficient procrastinator. That's, that's he, gets it, he gets everything hey done Hey, man, perfectly. if it's done. Yeah, it's, yeah. He stresses out about it. He sweats bullets. We may have started yeah. it seven days ago and it yep. gets done 30 minutes prior. But speaking it's of, still beautiful which, and works perfect. Still I mean, works. Spe- speaking of which, my our, uh, this is unrelated, but uh, the thing that's due at 10 a.m. I haven't started yet. <laughs> I love it. So, that's, I'm dead serious. So watch, watch Christian's face just slowly start to cringe and scowl type of thing. So what? So why did you choose uh, country music? Was there any was there any reason behind that, or was it just what you decided to do? I mean, I wasn't really brought up in a musical household. Like um, my my parents weren't huge like music like you hear you hear people in the music industry like yeah you know my mom listened to these artists all the time and my dad was you know a guitar master and I was like I didn't really grow up in a musically inclined household like my my mom always told me when I was growing up we don't have the art gene and you know which is such a ludicrous statement but nevertheless it's like um oh let's ask you that real fast (laughs) since you since you addressed that do you think do you think that art comes from inspiration or or from you know internal features so things like genetics and the way you're brought up and things like that? I I think that every medium like I think every person is kind of inclined towards a specific artistic medium. Sure. Like for example, like painting or drawing, like I am just not inclined towards it. Right. But I have always been very good with language and words and writing and I, I've always been very very good with that. Um, so naturally, you know, I, I was writing books and stories when I was a, a kid. Naturally, like my talent kind of lends to a, you know, a, a more wordsmith type of craft. Sure. Um, so I think it's, I think there's a little bit of, there, it's a little column A, column B sort yeah. of thing. I think you kind of have to find like, what am I kind of naturally inclined towards? Cause you're never going to be good 
at anything when you start. But yeah. what are you kind of inclined towards? What kind of makes, what kind of like gets that thing? Yeah, what gets, what gets you going a little bit? What gets you a little excited? What do you take pride in mm -hmm. is a big thing. Um, and then once you find what you can take, what you take pride in, what gets you excited, you can develop that. Mm -hmm. It's easy to develop the techniques once you actually kind of know that you're generally inclined towards it. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's a long answer to a brief question. Um, but growing up, like my family was not, um, you know, really musically inclined, and you know, Western New York, it's a rural area. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so there is a, a lot of uh, that kind of like rural pride, you know, comes with like self-sustainment and everything like that. Um, and then I got introduced to country music when I was in high school. And uh, and as time went on, I just kind of fell more and more in love with it. I loved the, the stories. I loved the characters within country music history. Um, I love how the genre continues to find ways to evolve, but there's this there's this constant push and pull of people trying to push it into, you know, like a more modern pop sphere and people trying to pull it back to its traditional roots. And that kind of keeps it progressing at, at a nice, slow, steady pace so that it's never irrelevant, but it's always kind of keeping a, a tap on where it's come from. That is something that's very particularly interesting about country music is that I, I feel like a lot of, a, a lot of, you know, music continues to evolve no matter what. Um, there's different types of music. There's different types of instruments. Um, obviously, the addition of electronic things in yeah. music, whether it's keyboards or synthesizers back in the mm -hmm. 70s and 80s or even now where you have autotune and stuff like that. But I feel like country music is probably the one genre that um, people are inclined to still listen to the, to the old sound of those six strings type of thing. Yeah. And, and just continue on with, with that type of stuff. Let me let me ask you something about this. So, um, let's say you know you're a you're a 21 year old and your dream is to pursue music for the rest of your life, or, or maybe even you know you're sitting in an army bunker like you were. <laughs> you know what what was it particularly that called you to do it? Um, what what was it that you said, hey, you know, what what made you take that take that step in that direction instead of you know after you had checked all the boxes in the military type of thing? Um. That's a great question. Um, this is gonna be your next song, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like why? <laughs> That's yeah. the song is just gonna be called Why. Yeah, <laughs> because you know, once I actually took the step into the industry, a lot of veils got lifted, and a lot of, um, and, and I got hit with. I had to eat a lot of reality sandwiches. Mm -hmm. um, generally speaking, I mean, it is a it is a tough industry. Yeah, uh, for sure. Generally speaking, if you're if if you're not anybody you're not anybody to mm -hmm. anyone, you know? So, um, there, there's a huge element of proving your worth to it. And I think what got me originally started was just the idea of the legacy that I could have, mm -hmm. um, as a storyteller, as a songwriter, um, you know, that, that, I think that was the biggest thing was, was the legacy of it. Um, and that's kind of changed now. I'm kind of, I've been over the last year and a half, I've really kind of gone through some personal changes where it's like chasing a legacy I've found is kind of a damning pursuit. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm starting to just kind of like fall in love more with just telling the stories and crafting the song and, and using really neat rhyme schemes and, and everything like that to convey the message that you want to convey. Yeah. And I'm falling in love with the production of it. It's, it's the actual process that I'm starting to fall in love with now. Um, and I think the reason for that is because the likelihood of success in the industry is just so, it's so slim. I mean, like, there is so much luck 
involved in the music industry. And sure, there's a ton of hard work as well, but luck is, is a huge driver. Um, and so I, I think the motivation at 21 was probably, you know, I want to play on the Grand Ole Opry. I want to be remembered. I want to, I want to do something where I feel like I'm making an impact in the world. And when you're a young officer in the army, it's hard to feel like you're actually making a difference. Mm -hmm. So I think that was kind of a, I think that was probably the biggest motivator at the yeah. time. Interesting. Yeah. I got an idea to get your uh, next video up to about 10 million views. Oh yeah. Yep. You need to you need to make a hilarious song about Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> that, that'll probably go. You know? I bet. I bet you because it's all towards Democrats, and I, I mean, if you uh, if you know or not, most likely most country sing singers are Republican anyway. Sure. Yeah. And most country listeners are Republican, so they're going to share that shit no like crazy. Yeah. 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 It's like the uh, that, that guy made a song called like I think my dog's Democrat. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Yeah. It's about how the dog just kind of like lays around all yeah. day and stuff like that. If you that, did so. that and, and actually posted it on every forum and every group that was Republican associated, you, it'd be shared everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Talk about going viral. Organically, yeah. it would go viral. go viral. Real short, though, short and funny. Two, <laughs> two to four minutes tops. Yeah, do a little, do a little um, parody type of type of song. That's what we call like pandering that. in the industry. Pander oh, nice. <laughs> all, 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 all I want is 1% of it goes. Oh, it goes, God. Okay. That's, from, uh, that's, from Bo, that's from Bo Burnham. Bo, Bo Burnham yeah. does a great pandering bit in one of in one of his uh, one yeah. of his specials, and he writes a country song called Pandering. Yep. It's like, it's actually very well written. It's, yeah, really, it's, it's, it's really, really good. He's, I, I've, I've said this before. I think that Bo Burnham is the most talented comedian. Yeah. But some, I think a lot of times some of the entertainment value is lost because he, he gets lost in the, in the, um, the format of, of the way that he tells the story mm -hmm. or whatever. Like in one of his um, one of his specials, somebody somebody's heckling him and and he's like, yeah. <laughs> it just totally interrupts his whole his whole stop participating. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, yeah. that's what he's yep. yep, exactly. But that's that's too funny, man. Um, so so country music. Um, tell us a little bit about um, you know what what types of inspirations you have gathered. You said you didn't really come from a music household. Um, you said that you're you keeping your ear ears up, so to speak, mm -hmm. and kind of listening for different things. Are there any artists or anything like that that you found particularly inspirational that kind of you know led you to your own style or something? Yeah, like that? it um, it's crazy, man. It's when when you when you're in the industry, um, you know, when you're a kid, you have like your favorites. Sure. Like, and mine was all Johnny Cash was always a huge one when Old I was school, a kid. Yeah. Just like really, just a cool like enigmatic kind of per person. I, mm -hmm. He was just out there. Um, and, you know, I went through like the super patriotic phase right before I went into ROTC in the army where, you know, it was like Toby Keith was my yeah. guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, First it was so, and, and I looked, I listened back now and I look back now at kind of where I came from and I was like, man, I just bought right into that whole pandering thing. Yeah. Right. And so the, the influences have changed as time has gone on. Um, now I'm actually a, a really big fan of um, these more fringe guys like Jason Isbell and Sturgill Simpson and Ty Tyler Childers, Cody Jinks, these guys that are out there kind of like doing it their own way. And they haven't really bought into the Nashville system. They haven't really, they've really kind of made a, a name for themselves doing what they want to do and what they love to do. And, um, that's really kind of become a huge influence on me over the last year and a half. Um, I'm starting to see it. There's a couple guys like Luke Combs is, is a, he's a, a really interesting character doing really traditional style work mm -hmm. in as a big name Nashville guy. Mm -hmm. You don't hear a lot of traditional stuff coming out of like just Nashville right. these days. Um, 
So he's a so he's a big one right now that I'm really into. And then I think out of all of them it is I think Chris Stapleton is probably the um, the most influential for me because his career is probably the one I would most like to emulate as time goes on. Like Chris Stapleton was a writer in Nashville for like 10, 12 years before he even released his first solo record, which was oh, wow. which was Traveler. Yeah. And it had like four or five number ones on one album. I mean, it was wow. incredible. And most of the songs, or there's a good number of songs that you love that came out in the two, in the 2000s that Chris Stapleton wrote, which you probably had no idea. Yeah, you have no idea. Like that Luke, you know that Luke Bryan song, Drink a Beer? Yeah. Yeah, Chris Stapleton wrote that. Right, that's pretty funny. You know what I mean? It's like, you have no idea where some of these songs come from. And so when I started kind of digging into the industry people, I was like, oh, Chris Stapleton, he's had such an impact. Yeah, you know, people don't even know. And people don't even know. So that's kind of where I, I would like to see my career kind of, you know, go in, in time. I would like to... Um, get some songs cut by big name artists and still have my own thing on the side where I can kind of, I can write the songs and produce the songs the way I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's ultimately where I'd like to see it go. Yeah. The, the thing that I, I really hate to see that happens in all forms of art, whether it's, whether it's actors or, um, you know, theater mm. music or, or art or anything like that is that it seems like there's like a cool kids club or like a click where, you know, you have to be a part of the click in order to, in order to get your stuff sent out there you know you have to have the right connections type of thing yeah which goes back to the good old saying that it's not what you know it's who you know right and it's and it's it gets frustrating and you know i went through i went through this for a while too of like like well i just want to write my songs the way i want to write them and it's like sometimes you do have to play the game but Mm -hmm. you have to play the game the way you the way you like like so that you still feel like you have a voice in it right? right and so you know I do a lot of work with um, the National Songwriters Association International, which is a, a songwriting lobbying group in Washington, and, and they represent songwriters around the world, um, and their headquarters is in Nashville. And you can send them songs that you've written for, like, evaluation by Nashville industry professionals, and they will tell you... Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, they will tell you, like, okay, it's a good song, it's a good idea, it's a good hook, but you need to do this with your melody, you need to do this with your structure, you need to do this with your meter, you need to do this, 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 and this, if you want to have any hope of this getting cut in Nashville. Yeah. Um, and that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. A lot of yeah. creatives tie their worth, you know, their personal worth to... Um, it's like their baby. This, yeah, it's like times. their baby. So a lot of people have trouble saying that. And it's like, for me, it's, it's like, well, you know, I'm writing so many songs. I Like, okay, I'll, I'll mess with this one in the Nashville style. Yeah. And maybe it'll get cut. And if it gets cut, then maybe I'll make a little bit of money off of it. You know what's a little crazy about the, dig- <clears throat> the digital world these days? If you're actually really good, like you'd have to act honestly be good and have money, like a lot of money, mm-hmm. you could skip Nashville. Because yeah. you could literally push so much money behind YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram of you doing yeah. all your songs, and you could get in front of millions and millions of people. But you'd yeah. have to have thousands and thousands of dollars a month just to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, basically yeah. skipping Nashville all over. Or Nashville's going to call you and be like, hey, can we... <laughs> yeah, can we, and eventually you take the deal. <laughs> right, 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 right. Take the deal. Yeah, you, right, don't be stupid, take the deal. If you, if you got if you got two briefcases and... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Take, take the deal. <laughs> take the deal. Um, it's yeah, it is kind of interesting. I I think that we'll see a lot more of that though. I think I think we'll see a lot more of the the accessibility of the these digital marketing mm-hmm. mediums and such are are such that you know with just a little bit of guidance, people can be seen thousands and thousands or even millions of times. Yeah. You know, it just takes the financial. I mean, yeah, the direct to consumer marketing is is absolute. It's ne- the the barrier for entry has never been lower. And this is what I tell to a lot of people that like you know, oh, I write songs, but I don't really know what to do. It's like the barrier for entry into the music industry has never been lower. Mm-hmm. 
You know, never I, in history. Ironically, we mentioned Bo Burnham earlier. That's yeah. how he got started. Oh, so, really? So he, yeah, I, I just specifically remember that he he was a YouTube sensation. So huh. he would he would record parodies and funny and yeah. funny tracks like that. He never had a recording label or anything. Now, obviously, he's not you know Nashville style country music right, or anything. Right. But he uh, recorded his own stuff on YouTube and mm. put it out there. And this was back in the good old days of yore of YouTube, back when we didn't have ads and sure. we had. You know, things could expand virally by themselves sure. without money behind them and stuff. But he'd have millions and millions of views, and then he launched his uh, his comedy career mm. after that. So, kind of interesting how all that stuff works. Well, Matt, um, that's pretty much it for our for our time today, man. Um, to give give the people how how can people get a hold of you? How can they uh, listen to you? Let's say they want to want to book you for a venue or they want to listen to your music. What's the best place to find you? Yeah, you can um, reach out to me on my website uh, www.mattconroy dot site s-i-t-e um i'm also on all social media platforms uh facebook instagram twitter just search me you'll find me um and uh, if you want to reach out to my uh management team it's management at mattconroy.site um i'm currently accepting <laughs> i'm currently accepting bookings since most of my stuff has gotten canceled yeah because <laughs> of covid you're but gonna, uh, you're gonna have to do uh you're gonna have to do a virtual concert or yeah something. right you've right, been right. wanting to go to restaurants yeah. and stuff so bad oh dude it's insane. brutal oh, and yeah. crave i mean it's right down the street yeah <laughs> yeah and um i also just had a i just celebrated a new release in april um a song called uh, handyman which is a it's it's a song about addiction and recovery and um, kind of changing family trees and stuff like that. It's a, it was a real cathartic experience for me to put together and to write. And that's on all streaming platforms, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to you listen to your music. Awesome, Matt. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. For, for awesome. every uh, for every guest, we always ask a silly question before we get off. Just, mm-hmm. It's like our stick. It's our yeah. fun thing. Um, for you, I have two. So the first okay. one's not silly. It's actually a, a real question. Out of all the songs that you've ever written, do you mm-hmm. have a favorite? And what is it, of course? Right now, because it's not going to be the same. Yeah, and, you course. know, one of my mentors told me, like, your favorite song now will be one of your least favorite songs five Eventually. years from now, right? Yeah. So so right now, I, I think um, Handyman is is my favorite song that I have written yeah. um, and produced. It's, um, it, was a, it was a real stretch lyrically song from a songwriting perspective. Um, and the arrangement that we actually put together in the studio for it was like really, really good. So, uh, Handyman is my favorite song that I've written right now. Awesome. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny you say that. I, I actually saw Led Zeppelin when I was a kid, very mm-hmm. very young, mm-hmm. and they didn't play Stairway to Heaven. I swear to God, I swear <laughs> to God. And I and I'll never forget that as long as I live. That was like, probably their three hundredth show of the year, and they were yeah. probably like, you know what? Yeah. I don't want to play this tonight. Yeah. I am tired of this. Like song. It, the most eclectic <laughs> rock music of all time. The only time in my life yeah. I ever would have. I mean, I was young. I yeah. Mean, you know, four or five, probably. And uh, they didn't play Stairway. I'll never forget that. No Stairway like, denied. Yeah. Like, yeah, Stairway. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, wait, That's perfect. All right. Here's the, here's the, the best question you're ever going to hear in your uh-huh. life. Let's say, you know, you met, you met a devil down in Georgia, and he, and he was able to give you one <laughs> instrument that was always going to be perfectly tuned for, for the remainder of your life. Indestructible, always perfectly tuned. And let's say it was, I don't know, soul bound to you. So like you couldn't, it was the one instrument that you had to play for the remainder of your life, but always perfectly tuned. What would that instrument be? A didgeridoo. A didgeridoo? <laughs> <laughs> because I would drive my fiance crazy oh, with God. it for the rest of our <laughs> lives. You would quickly not have a fiance. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe she, maybe I'd get some peace and quiet. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's, that's something else. Matt, thank you so much. Thank for you, Reese. Today. I appreciate you, man. Thank you.